Thank you for doing a new interview with me. I appreciate it. Thank you. You're welcome. This fall, you are starring in the new off-Broadway comedy, Mad Women of the West by Sandra Singh Lowe. How did this show find its way to you? Well, Caroline Evans has been a really good friend of mine for a long time. We played sisters on Broadway in Social Security, directed by Mike Nichols, I might add. And we just became like great friends after that and never lost contact with one another. And our kids grew up together. We do like Easter egg hunts and Christmas things. And her daughter, Sydney, and my son, Joey, they graduated from high school together. So we never lost contact. We always stayed in touch. And she did Sandra's play Mad Woman in the Fall. And I saw it. It was fantastic. And so she called me right before the pandemic started or at the beginning of the pandemic. And she said, Sandra's written a new play. She wants to cast four women. I told her she has to cast you because you're so perfect for this part. So she's going to call you. So that's how it all came about. We were so happy when we got to do it a few months ago at the Odyssey in California, here in Los Angeles. And then we got extended because people loved it so much. And then all of a sudden, people wanted us to do it in New York. So I think it's really just the beginning because it's a fabulous piece of theater. And it features four fabulous characters played by four fabulous actresses. So we're very excited. And here's the other thing. The show is about four people who went to college together and were besties. And three of them have stayed in contact all those years. And one of them went off to get her fame and fortune and became this international famous person, wellness and an actress and everything else. And she comes back to this brunch that's a birthday brunch for one of the characters. That's my character, Zoe. And I come in and I'm like the cat in the hat. Things get oh. crazy and secrets are revealed. So I've known Caroline forever. I've known Melanie even longer because we were in Greece and Godspell at the same time. She was in Godspell, I was in Greece. So those two companies were very familiar with each other and close. And I helped to find her apartment in New York. And then Brooke, I've known forever as well when I moved to Los Angeles. And Caroline's been close to everybody. So, I mean, it's like a love fest. Oh my God. It's almost like, it's almost like art imitating life in that you all have this history together and you have the friendship and hopefully not the drama that comes out in the show. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, well, you know what? It's funny with friends, you can fight and love. You feel comfortable getting in their space. You get comfortable with cleaning them up, fixing their hair. You know what I'm saying? (laughs) Oh, I love that. And so what do you relate to most about Zoe? Well, she was kind of written for me. So her career as an actress, her career as an author and a wellness person tours the country and does TED Talks and things like that. And I also relate to her memory because they threw my memory there too. Let's take a quick break and we'll be right back after this word from our sponsors. I want to tell you a personal behind the curtain story that I may not have fully shared here. For the past two years, I have been part of an amazing community built for and by entrepreneurs called My Sexy Business. We have a wonderful weekly live streaming show called GME. Good morning, entrepreneurs. As an associate producer and roving reporter, I can easily say this show is for you, the entrepreneur who is in search of community and getting your questions answered. Our co-hosts and roving reporters share life experiences that will hopefully make you feel less alone on your entrepreneurial journey. We'd love for you to join us every Friday at 8 a.m. Eastern Standard Time at MySexyBusiness.com. 
And now we're back. And what is it like to have a role written for you, specifically for you? Sometimes it's harder to play yourself, but Sandra is so brilliant in her writing that it just kind of flows and it's fun. And, and we talk to the audience and the audience talks back sometimes. And that's really fun because we break the fourth wall and the whole piece is just so much fun to do. And I think that that reads to the audience. So they have a great time. We had so many people that came back and we felt like we had our little mad women and it's men and women because I think the characters are so well written that you will recognize yourself or your friends and you'll say, oh, I was Obi, oh, I'm a Claudia, I'm a Marilyn, I'm a Jules. You know, one of the shows that I did forever and ever was, was Grease. I played Marty in Grease and did the original company in Chicago. And I think one of the reasons Grease is so successful is that people recognize themselves. Everybody's gone to school, so you recognize yourself in one of those characters. And I think when there's that recognition factor, the specificity of each character makes people really latch on. It's not just generic. It'll be so interesting to see what a New York audience grabs onto. Like at one point, somebody says something about Bristol Farms. One of the characters says to the audience, think Cinderella. <laughs> so things like that happen throughout the piece. There are so many surprises that start to happen in the show mm-hmm. that people are always like, oh my gosh, I didn't see that coming. Accor- according to press notes, it says that audiences should expect hilarity, outrageous opinions, and unexpected wisdom about what it means to be a woman. So what is an opinion you have shared publicly that got deemed as outrageous? In my very first book, my, my first health book, people were outraged that I talked about being anti-dairy products. And now people say, oh, she wasn't the first person that I ever talked to that wrote about or talked about dairy. Wow. I'll tell you something else. Oh I was on the Rosie O'Donnell show, talked about people's digestive tracts. And I said on the Rosie O'Donnell show, floaters, not sinkers, right? <laughs> and I'm saying that, they cut it out. I saw the show after. I said, why did you say? She said, because you can't talk about poop on television. And I said, Yes, you can. And then sure enough, years later, Dr. Oz, his whole show's about. And when have you received unexpected wisdom in your life? Well, every day there's something that you learn. I'm a real student, so I'm always trying to learn from people. I feel like everybody's a work in progress and you're in the laboratory of your life. So there are really no bad data. It's just data. And you can't beat yourself up for, oh, I did this or I did that. It's like, well, you just went that experiment didn't work, but that's okay. Nothing is wasted. I think you learn that early in your life. Everything gets used somewhere. I, I had such an advantage when I was eight years old and I sat in a classroom and there was a question on the test and that asked, how many pencils are in a score? I thought, what? Pencils in a score? What's a score? And then I thought, oh, I heard that before. Four score and seven years ago. But all of a sudden I went, oh my gosh, there are 20 pencils in a score. And I thought, nothing is ever wasted. It's all just connected. Even as a tiny little girl, I thought every experience is going to be used somehow. Because everything is connected to everything. So that's why I say I could walk around this room right now and look at your purse or your wallet or your gym bag or anything. And I can tell you how you're taking care of your health. Because how you take care of the small things is usually how you take care of the bigger things. Oh my gosh, don't come to my apartment. (laughs) That is a cool skill. Between your memory and that, I I, I mean, what can't you do? (laughs) 
Oh, oh man, you don't want to be on your team in Dictionary. <laughs> My niece and nephew laugh at me. You just they're eight and ten, and they just cannot believe how much I can't draw. Angela can draw everything, but she can't draw. Well, I have a few general questions to ask as well. So, at this point in your career, do you still have to audition for parts, or do you get offer only? Well, sometimes you want to audition just to see if you're compatible with people and if you can do the material. I haven't had to audition for a while for things, but it depends on the project. And what's something you still want to accomplish that you have not done yet? I would still love to create a role on Broadway. I loved doing Get the Bad Back Together five years ago, and I did have a wonderful song that I loved. But I want to do something on Broadway where I really get to sing because I do my club act now all over the country. Mm-hmm. And I've done it 40 times since the pandemic started. And I did it actually a three-week sit-down at Bucks County. And I loved doing that. So my voice has gotten stronger. So it's like, put me in, coach. I want to do another musical, dance, singing, that kind of thing. Originally in a Broadway musical. Really sink my teeth into something great in a Broadway musical. Now, since the play is called Mad Women of the West, what do you feel is the craziest thing you've ever done to prepare for a role or at an audition when you did audition? Oh, I ran into Steve Martner at a restaurant. And Steve said, what are you doing right now? And I said, oh, I was in a project and it just fell apart. They said, we're going to send you a script. So they sent me a script and I read it and I thought, oh, I'd love to play this part. She was vegan and she was earthy and everything else. And I went there dressed really earthy and beaconish. And they went, no, no, no. Would you come back and read Trudy? And I came back the next day, dressed to the nines. And I worked with my acting teacher. And he said, okay, Mary Lou, this character is a total bitch. And she makes everybody wait for her. So when you do the reading with Steve, dump your purse out and... Take your time putting everything back. I thought, really? And he said, no, do it. Just do it. I thought, okay. I'm listening to you. So I did it during the audition with Steve. This is for the movie L.A. Story. And uh-huh. I just took my time. And Steve's a great improviser. And I love to improvise. So we improvised all this dialogue about how much time I was taking and how we always had to wait for me and blah, blah, blah. And I'm just like, blowing it off like I could, could care less I'm so fabulous you just gotta have to wait anyway not only did I get the part and get a comedy award for it but the improv that we did at the audition they put in the motion so that's probably the most outreach that I ever did and it paid off that's one of my favorite stories to just take that chance and be that character in the moment oh my gosh I love this well I want to and the interview, similar to our previous interview together, where we play with your superhero memory in which you can recall every single day of your life. So I'm going to list some dates, and I want you to tell me what you were doing on that day. So the first one is going to be April 6th, 1962. So it was my tenth birthday, 1962. It was a Friday. You could always get what you wanted for your birthday dinner with the family. Uh-huh. So I remember we got these little lobster tails because I wanted lobster tails. I was also in rehearsal for a play South Pacific. My sister was choreographing it for Notre Dame Boys High School. So I went to rehearsal for that, had our little lobster tail dinner, and then went to rehearsal that night to do South Pacific. Wow. December 25th, 1967, which is my parents' wedding anniversary. 
December December 25th, they got married at Christmas? They did, yes. The one advantage of being Jewish. <laughs> oh my gosh, that's so funny. So I remember what I got for Christmas was I was obsessed with oh, the way that the tummy and got a Scarlet O'Hara doll, which I loved, and helped my mother with the food. It was one of the last Christmases with my father because he passed away years later oh. and so i remember that i was wearing this blue velvety dress and the last two i have are september 12th 1978 which was the day that taxi oh, premiered taxi on tv started. yes yeah, it was a tuesday but i was with uh, the josh at the time and so we were actually in london but then we flew to new orleans that the friday morning september 15th and all the taxi guys were there because it was for the Ali Speaks fight. Oh. And that night, the show had just premiered. So we walked down the street and people were hopping, going, where are we? No, 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 no. And I thought our lives had just changed. We're on TV and people are loving our show. Wow. The last date is May 23rd, 1994, which was the series finale of Evening Shade. I just had my son, Nick. Nick Lieberman, director of theater camp. He was like just 10 days old, 11 days old. I don't know. I always have a lot of heard about working on my new, very good show. Wow. So exciting. All right. Well, I thank you so much for your time again, Mary Lou. I really appreciate it.